Wow, did you guys see some of the questions we're gonna be answering in this series called You Asked For It over the summer? Did y'all see those? How many of you wanna be in our spot and stand up here and have to answer some of those questions? Was Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? Come on, y'all. We're gonna have a very fun summer this summer. Well, my name is Penny Maxwell. My husband, Troy, and I are the senior pastors here at Freedom House. And we just wanna welcome all of you in the room. Love seeing all of your faces. And to all of you who are watching online, on YouTube, whatever uh, platform you may be watching from, we welcome you as well. So good to have you. I see we've got Georgia, Tennessee, Virginia, Maryland, Washington, D.C. So glad you are tuning in. We need you to tune in. Yes. Uh, North Carolina, all over the world. We are so thankful that everyone's tuning in. So this summer is going to be one heck of a fun summer as we tackle tough topics each week. So Pastor Troy is actually at our South End campus today. And the question he is tackling is, are we in the end times? I saw this meme on social media of this woman going and opening up her door, and she said, I wonder what chapter of Revelation we're in today. <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? Um, Olin is at our Lake Norman campus, and he's talking about, does God still talk to us today? And if he does, is he listening? Uh, the topic that I am going to hit today is, why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, if God is truly good, why is he allowing all of the bad things to happen in our world, right? I mean, if he's such a good God, couldn't he just stop everything? Why is it allowed to happen? You know, many Christians um, feel secure in their faith until something bad happens, and then they have those same questions. Um, why is there cancer in the world? Why is there racism? Why are people getting murdered? Um, why are um, people getting sick? Why are all the bad things happening, like famine and war and car crashes and people losing their lives? If God is good, then why are these things happening? Because as believers, we're gonna have to tackle in our minds the paradox of how an all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing God allows extraordinary amounts of pain, hurt, and anguish, and evil to exist in this world. We have to wrestle with that, and that is the question that we're going to wrestle out today. Because if there is so much hurt that's happening in life, and God truly does exist, why is he letting it happen? Be honest if many of you have asked that question before. At some point in your Christian faith, I think a lot of us have, we feel secure in our faith until something traumatic happens and then maybe we have questions. Whatever the particular struggle it is that we face, the question of suffering is one of the hardest um, to answer and it's one of the biggest barriers that a lot of people have to their faith in Jesus is if God is good and if he does exist, why is all this happening? So a lot of people choose to believe that God doesn't exist at all because if he did, he would have put an end to all of it. 
There is not an easy, simple, quick answer to this question, but today in the few minutes that we have left, I am going to take you through the scripture and we're gonna talk about that. But I do want to pose this question to you as we start this off. Um, If you have ever found yourself asking why, and I think that everyone here pretty much uh, has raised their hand and said, that's me. I've found myself asking why, or maybe online you're watching, you have found yourself asking why before. Might I pose this question to you? Who are you asking why to? If God does not exist, then where does your why go? Why even ask why at all? Because if God doesn't exist, is there really anyone in an ultimate sense to even ask the question to? I mean, if this is just the Big Bang theory playing out, you know, on the third rock from the sun and we were molecules that split and then wouldn't we just understand that this is just survival of the fittest and there's gonna be wars and rumors of wars and sickness because molecules split and mutate and things have been wiped out previously? What if things are just starting over? I mean, after millions of years, if we're all just animals, aren't we just acting out our past? Why would we even have a question at all If we believe that God doesn't exist, then who are we even asking why to? If this has just gone on for millions of years, then why are we thinking things would be any different? Why don't we just accept everything that's happening in our world right now and just know, hey, well, if we get wiped off, I mean, some other species will eventually rise up. I mean, disease is just some mutation. Why do we try to fix it? Why do we try to make things better if this is just our lot in life? You see, the problem with that view is that it really doesn't help us make sense of the sandpaper moments that we feel in life or the hard things that we go through. That doesn't help us make sense of anything. Why would we even have the right to be angry if it's just things evolving? Would our anger even be just if it's just things evolving as they always have? I mean, if global warming, if we're just waiting for that to happen and the next species to take over, then we should just accept that and settle in that and not try to fight it, right? Why the anger if this is just the pattern over millions of years? Why? Because the Christian faith makes sense of and explains the rawness that all of us feel in the face of suffering. Because the Christian faith says there is something wrong in this world, that things are not as they should be. We live in a world where there is both good and there is evil, and they both exist in this world. And we have to understand what is actually happening. But if we just take the stance, well, this is just our lot in life, then we have no right to be angry. We have no right to be upset. We just accept whatever it is that happens to us. You see, here's the thing. God is good, but evil is also real. 
evil is real and we have to acknowledge both. We've gotta acknowledge that both exist. The sad part is that evil has had a major influence in our world for now. I wanna explain that in a minute, but I just want you to know, so at first glance, at first glance, it seems that suffering would give good reason to rule out God. But actually, the opposite is true. It is only if God exists that our outrage at suffering finds a home or has any meaning at all. Do you hear me? So maybe our why is actually us acknowledging that God is in fact real. So what do we do with the pain that we feel or the hurt that we're experiencing or the tragedies that have happened in our life and in our world? What do we do with that grief? What I have found in my life, and I'm sure you could probably attest to this in your life, is when I'm hurting, I wanna go to somebody that understands my pain. I wanna go to somebody that can sit with me, that can talk with me, that, will, that just gets you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Somebody that just gets you, that you can just be yourself with. Let me talk to you about the Savior that we have. Let me talk to you about Jesus and what we can do when we come to him. Because I think sometimes what we try to do is we try to exit out of pain instead of taking it to Jesus, the one who can actually take that pain and help us walk through. Sometimes we don't go through the right steps. Now, we would say that we're Christians, but when we're hurting, sometimes we lash out at the wrong thing. Sometimes we lash out at other people and we don't realize where the source of this pain is coming from and we misplace it. But when we're in pain, why is it good that we can take it to Jesus? Because let me give you a little scenario about what his life on this earth looked like. The first thing I wanna do is just explain to you that the reason why Jesus had to come to this earth is in the Old Testament, when there would be a sin that would be committed because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, Adam and Eve were actually put out of the garden. Why were they put out of the garden? Well, because they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God did not want them to then go and partake of the tree of life because if you ate from the tree of life, you would live forever. And God did not want them after the sin that they had entered into to go and eat from the tree of life and stay in that condition forever. So he put them out of the garden and he had uh, angels with flaming swords that guarded the garden and would not let them back in. And he knew they needed to be redeemed for what they had done. He was going to have to set a plan in motion for their redemption because of choices they made. What happened with Adam and Eve and everyone else that you see pre-Jesus is when they would sin, 
they would have to shed the blood of an animal, a bull, a goat, or a sheep, a lamb, whatever the animal was. And that sin that they had would transfer to the animal. In other words, it was a covering of sin. And you see that happen after Adam and Eve are sent from the garden. It says they are no longer covered with fig leaves, but now animal skins. They use the animal and they sacrifice the animal's blood. Now, this is in the beginning of creation and you see all through up until the time of Jesus because a lot of us in not understanding God's redemptive plan, we would say it sounds really weird and silly and quite gross that blood would have to be shed in order for sins to be forgiven. But how many of you have gone to the doctor and the doctor said, I want to check up on your entire life, your entire history. Let me get your blood. Your liver looks good. Your kidneys look good. Your enzymes look good. They can tell everything they need to know about your health by your blood. We know that because we have scientists now. They didn't have all of that information and DNA and microscopes and all of that back then. But guess what? God knew. God knew the life was in the blood. So let's fast forward to the New Testament. Old Testament, sins could not be forgiven, just covered. We did not have access straight to the throne. We had to go through a priest we had to go through a holy person in order to get to God. We did not have direct access. In the New Testament, when Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, came and shed his blood because he had perfect blood, there was not another human that could sacrifice themselves that had perfect blood. So God made a covenant with himself and sent his son in the form of flesh because he was the only one without sin to cut a covenant, make a covenant with himself in order to redeem you and I. And in order for him to do that, the Bible says that he had to go through excruciating pain. What did that look like? Here is a man that never did anything wrong, but yet all of sin was placed upon him. Sins past, present, and future. All of that was placed upon Jesus. He was beaten mercilessly. I mean, literally, cat of nine tails were used and whipped over his body. They were one big long leather cord with all these little leather straps that came out from it that had bone and glass and shards of sharp metal that were attached to it. And when it went on the back of Jesus and they pulled it up, it literally shredded his back. He was beaten to the point where he was unrecognizable. He had a crown of thorns that was pushed down on his face and blood ran down his face. He was so weak and he was so beaten, he couldn't even carry his own cross up to Golgotha where he was gonna have spikes put down through his hands and his feet. The Bible says that all the sin of the world placed upon him is what killed him. And the fact that his father had to turn his back on him and reject him. 
And then they mocked him and spat upon him. And then a soldier, a Roman soldier, puts a sword in his side and rips open his side. So when the Bible tells us that when we walk through pain, we have somebody in our life that gets us, it really does mean it. But the thing about Jesus is when we take our pain to him, He doesn't just sit there with us in our pain. He actually helps it go away. But we often don't go to him because, see, sometimes we just want to go to somebody that will tell us what we need to hear, what we want to hear, and not what we need to hear. He's the perfect person to go to. He's the perfect person. In Isaiah 53, Three, it says, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. I think we have a God that we can go to when we are living in this world and there is a battle of good and evil going on to, I think there is a place that we can go to where he just might understand our hurt and our pain. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't just suffer like us. He suffered for us. When we weren't even in a good place, he wasn't just suffering for us when we were already good people or already saved. He did it in the hopes that we would accept him. He suffered in ways that go beyond anything we could imagine. Absolutely anything. Somehow on that cross, all of the world's evil, every single bit of it was directed at one pure, clean spotless target in order for all of humanity to be saved. You know why he did this? To give us life. So that all of the evil that you and I face, we don't have to absorb it and let it overwhelm us. And a lot of us right now, let me just say this. It's not just a cliche to be a good Christian person. Right now, you're finding out if you are a good Christian person. Your Christian walk is being called to attention right now. It's not just this nice, sweet little, well, I'm a Christian. What we are made of is on full display right now. The world is in shambles, in turmoil. And we have the answer and we have to decide if we're gonna give that answer away. We have to decide what we're going to do with what we know. Because everything that's in us, pain will bring it out. What is coming out right now? What is coming out of you right now? Is it faith or is it fear? Because if we are Christians, we don't have a right to stay in fear. We don't have the luxury of just sitting back, being paralyzed, watching the rest of the world go to hell in a handbasket. We've got to stand up and use our voice and fight. Not each other. Please don't mistake that. I'm watching a lot of that happen right now. 
The devil would like nothing else. You see, first we all got isolated from even coming to church or even being able to be together. And then our minds started going all these crazy places. And then we have racial things that happen in our society. And it just piles on top of a a community or a world that was already broken and damaged and in isolation. And what has happened is it's got us to turn on each other. Black against white, male against female, you know, older against younger. Everybody's just fighting against each other, and that's not the answer. People are going, okay, well, you know what? I want to go to a church where everybody looks just like me. And you know what? You can do that. You can go to a church where everybody looks just like you, but I would ask you this question. Is that the Jesus style? Hey, it might be easier in your flesh because you can have conversations that aren't questioned. You might have super easy dialogue because you're all coming from the same vantage point. But is that the Jesus style? Hey, you could go to a church where everybody is, is all old or all young. But when you have all the generations represented, you got stuff you got to deal with. Some like the music a little louder. Some don't like it so loud. Some things are problems you're not going to solve, but tensions you're going to have to manage if you all want to do life together. Because all of us come in these doors with our story and our history and our life experiences. And if our earthly culture comes before our kingdom culture, you're always going to have a problem. Always. Always. We have to decide and we have to fight for unity. And in doing so, guess what? There's going to be friction. My husband and I, there's friction in our marriage. Do you know why? Because I'm a woman and I see things different than he does. But what I'm not going to do is peace out because I see it different than him. What I'm going to do is say, tell me. Tell me how you're seeing this. Tell me how you're viewing this because maybe... God has us being put together like a puzzle, not to fight with each other, but to join together and teach each other something. Our differences are not what pull us apart. It's our inability to listen to those differences and let it be okay. I'm never fully going to understand. I love all my men in here. I love you guys. I don't understand why you won't ask for directions. I don't get it. I don't. But I love you still. Men, you're never going to understand why we bring up arguments from 15 years ago. You're never going to understand that. But can you love us still? Can we still walk together? Can we still work through things? Here's the thing that we all need to know. Suffering does not have to have the last word in our lives if we're willing to work through it. It does not. Here's why, because God has not left us alone in our suffering. As a matter of fact, there is probably a strength you never knew you had when you walk through some pain. 
In Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. You see, I think that's the part that we have to understand is how do we go through pain and don't respond in sin? How do we go through pain and handle ourselves appropriately? How do we go through pain and trust that God is still there, that God has us? How do we do that? Some people might ask, you know, why doesn't God just get rid of evil once and for all? He's going to. It's called the second coming of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you what he did in the interim. When he died on the cross and he rose again, not only did he give us access back to heaven again, but he went to hell. He took the keys of death and the grave back from Satan himself. And all of those who had died previously, who were not able to accept Jesus Christ, because it was all based on the law previously. That's why there was the law. So people could abide by the law, the the 10 commandments, all the laws that were put in play in the Old Testament, they were not something that all of us could stand under. That's why they had to sacrifice animals. But what happened is when Jesus died and rose again, instead of being held in a place called Abraham's bosom, they now had access to go straight to heaven. And you and I who are alive now have access to go straight to the throne room as well. Thank Jesus, you don't have to come through me. And I go, one of my friends the other day said, I need to go make penance. I've got to do my Hail Marys. And I said, show me where that's in the Bible. And they're like, well, I don't really read the Bible because you know I have the priest that tells me. I said, let's talk about that. (laughs) You don't have to come through a priest when you have direct access to the high priest. You can go into the holy of holies, past the outer courts, the inner courts, straight into the holy of holies because of what Jesus did for you. Jesus gave us a way to walk through pain until we no longer have to experience pain again. So how do you fix all that's broken? I mean, look at your story. You've got a story. How do you fix a broken story? I've got a story. How do I fix my broken story? Between my mom and dad, you know, eight marriages, from the time I was a little girl up until I was around 11 years old, sexually abused by my grandfather, had to get up in court and point at him, and he got put in jail. That wasn't right. That shouldn't have happened. It was wrong. So how do we take those things in our story and do something with it? I mean, there was nothing that I did growing up that I deserved, the mental, the physical, the emotional, or sexual abuse. I didn't deserve that. So I can either be mad at God the rest of my life and blame God and blame men, or what I can do is I can say, okay, that happened. What do I do with that next? I can't change what happened, but by gosh, I can certainly change what I do with it and how that affects me. You can't change what's happened in your story, 
But what you can do, how, how do you recover? How do you come out of pain? How do we find healing? We take our story and we embed it in one bigger and better than ours. Our faith says you fix a broken story by embedding it in a much bigger story. The story of Jesus and the cross and how when he died on the cross, he made all of us equals. He erased all of our sin, all of our shame. All of us have the opportunity to go into the throne room. One day there's gonna be justice and all the suffering will end. Well, why doesn't Jesus just do that now? Why not this moment? Why right now? Because he is given as much opportunity to as many as who will call on the name of the Lord to be saved. He is gracious and kind. And the reason he has not come back yet is because he's waiting for all of us to acknowledge and accept him as savior. And then he's coming back, not in the form of a baby, but on a white horse to declare who he is. Where all of us have opportunity to accept him. But this day hasn't arrived yet. Not yet. So what do we do in the meantime? I'm going to close out today just sharing with you a story of King David. So King David was underneath of a King Saul. And Saul was just a very poor, insecure leader. And what happened was King David, uh, before he was actually king, he was serving underneath of Saul, and Saul tried multiple times to try to kill him because he was jealous of him. He didn't like the fact that the hand of God was on David, and he knew that his kingship was going to come to an end. So the tribe of Judah actually ended up breaking off and following King David, so you've got King Saul, who eventually will be king over all of Israel, but you have the tribe of Judah first that breaks off and is following under King Saul, and, or King David, and David is just trying to go somewhere where he won't be killed because Saul is trying to kill him. Everywhere he goes, he finds out that Saul's henchmen are there ready to kill him. And he's not having any, he can't go to sleep. He can't do anything. He is just trying to figure out how he can get away from things. And he writes this in Psalms 56, right in the middle of when he's, he's going through all of this. He says in Psalms 56, 8, you have kept count of my tossings, being up all night. You put my tears in a bottle. And then go down, or, or start actually in Psalms 56, 1. He begins it with this. While he's going through the turmoil, not when all of it is ended, not when he's up on the mountaintop, but while he's in the valley, David says this. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long and attacker is pressing, uh, pressing me. He's praying out to God while he's in the valley, while he's hurting then he's trying to figure out what to do because everywhere he goes, Saul's men are catching up with him. So then he decides he's actually gonna go. He's gonna go over into the land of the Philistines and try, he's thinking, who's gonna find me if I'm hiding in enemy territory? So not only can he not find anywhere to rest in territories that are supposed to be safe, 
But here he is, he can't even be out in public. Now he's got to go and go over in the enemy's territory. I mean, that kind of stinks. I'm going to be safe by going over on the enemy's grounds. That doesn't sound so great. The land of Gath where they're all trying to kill me too because I took down Goliath who was their, you know, their prized warrior. How is this going to work out? But he felt he didn't have a choice. So he goes over into the king of Gath's territory and they end up spotting him and recognizing who he is. Now he's got two full armies after him. No place felt safe. No place. I mean, to the point where even he, he's trying to figure out how he's going to survive and live. So he, he actually pretends like he's gone mad. He pretends like he's gone crazy. And he like pulls the, the, the bottom of his lip down and he starts letting drool run out of his face. And he starts like scratching. And he goes up to the gate of the city and starts scratching on the gate, banging on the gate, literally trying to make them think that he's not a threat, that he's just gone mad, that he's a crazy person, not to worry about it. He's doing everything he knows to do, but he was very much afraid he was doing everything he could naturally, and he was leaning on God. And David's struggles are recorded in Psalms. They're recorded, and he asked God, he said, God, put those tears in a bottle. Like, God, I, I can't sleep at night. I'm crying constantly. But then in the midst of his pain in Psalms 56, that same chapter, this is what David says out of his mouth. This I know, God is for me. Wait a minute. Everybody is against you. Doesn't matter. As long as God is for me, who shall be against me? David is expressing a deep trust in God in the midst of unimaginable pain. Psalms 56.11 says, In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? In other words, I'm not about the outcome. The outcome to me is irrelevant. I am about trust in God. What can a mere mortal do to me? Do you know what I've learned about pain? Is it actually will reveal more about me than it does about my circumstance. What do we do when we walk through pain? Do we say, hey, God, I know you're for me. God, I trust in you. God, I'm not afraid. What do you do with pain? It will tell you all you need to know about your Christian walk. You see, it's real easy when things are going good. Praise him, praise him, mm, lift it up, lift it up. It's when things aren't going so good. What do you do? You know, pain reveals a lot about our lives. Pay attention to how you respond to pain because being a Christian isn't good, just a good little cliche. There should be some fruit to back up our life. That is how they know our, that we are disciples. We should have a life of fruitfulness. You know, some people say, well, you know, this world is just tough. It's just hard. It's just painful. You know, right now, 
there is a tension between the ideal and the real. And we're gonna have to learn to manage that tension. And when we're hurting, when we're grieving, take it to the feet of Jesus. Because you know, all of us want to have somebody that can relate to us when we're in pain. And I think he's a perfect person to do so. In Revelation 21, four, it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Did you know that every tear that you shed has meaning to God? Everyone. Every single tear. Would you stand on your feet? I was listening to a story about um, a mom named Tammy and her daughter, Rebecca. Rebecca is in sixth grade. And Rebecca had uh, gone through cancer, a big bout with cancer as a sixth grader. And all of her class, her sixth grade class, everyone was praying for her, believing for her. It's just a hard thing for the whole school to watch, but especially Rebecca's sixth grade class. Well, Rebecca had gotten the news that her cancer was in remission and everybody was excited and, and just joyful. But not too long after, Rebecca started feeling bad again. They went into the children's hospital. And while Rebecca was sleeping, the doctors came in to her mother, Tammy, and said, Tammy, um, the cancer's back it's not looking good. They said it's terminal. Could you imagine that mom having to talk to her sixth grader? When the kids at the school found out, they began to pray for her again. The principal, everybody involved, the neighborhood. She noticed that um, Rebecca wasn't sleeping. And she said to Rebecca, she said, sweetheart, you need to be getting your rest right now. And I noticed that you're, you're not sleeping. Why are you not going to sleep? And she said, mom, I'm afraid that if I go to sleep, I might not wake up again. She said, I'm afraid. There's a lot of fear. What if I don't wake up. And her mother looked at her and she said, Rebecca, if you wake up here, my arms will be around you. And if you wake up in heaven, Jesus's arms will be around you. Either way, you're gonna be okay. When do we as Christians get to the place where we realize no matter where we wake up, we're good. Where we trust so much in God. And again, you heard me say today, God doesn't cause bad things to happen. But he is saying, I wanna be there in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle. Whatever it is that you're walking through, he is not out of touch with your pain. 
He is not out of touch with what you're going through. And he wants to be there today. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Today, if you would just say, you know what? I, I need Jesus in my life. I need those arms around me. I need a fresh start. I need a do-over. I need a savior that understands my pain. If that's you, and you say, I need to make Jesus first place in my life, first position in my life, and I need a fresh start, would you just take your hand and put it over your heart if you're in here? Wow, lots of people, wow. Online, you can do the same thing. You can talk to somebody right there in the chat bar. You can also put your hand over your heart. Either way, we would love to connect with you and reach out to you. I would love for all of us just to say this together. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We honor you and we worship you and we give you first place in our life. We ask you to wipe away the past and let me have a new beginning. We believe you are God's son and you died on the cross and you can wipe away the fear, the pain, the hurt and the anger. And we serve you now in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, what a message. Come on, let's celebrate everybody who made that decision today online with Come us on. or here in person. So good. It is phenomenal. If you made that decision today, we're very proud of you, number one. Welcome to the family of God. Pretty cool. Um, we also, if you guys are here with us, we have a free gift for you. We have a, a book we'd love to get in your hands at Guest Central on the other side of these doors. So be sure to stop by and get that on your way out. And uh, we're excited for you. Yeah, and we have life groups that have just launched, and it's going to be an amazing summer. And whether you're joining us online or right here in person, we have online life groups and we have in-person life groups. So join us, whether you're in Georgia, Tennessee, Virginia, Maryland, Alabama, Washington, D.C. We want to see you online. There's so many connection opportunities throughout the week. So head on over to freedomhouse.cc connect, and we will see you this week. You are dismissed. Have a great week.